Good morning, friends. Today is Friday. Yay! It's Friday the 4th of December, 2020. We are in the season of Advent. Arise, O Jerusalem. Stand upon the height and look toward the east, and see your children gathered from west and east at the word of the Holy One. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Creator, to set forth God's praise, to hear God's holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship God, let us kneel in silence and with penitent and obedient hearts confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by God's infinite goodness and mercy. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O God, let our mouths proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our God and Savior now draws near. O come, let us worship. Come, let us sing to God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to God a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before God our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. Our God and Savior now draws near. Oh, come, let us worship. Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to God, you are my God. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble, in whom is all my delight. Those who choose another God multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. God is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. 
The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless God who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I keep God always before me. Because God is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol or let your faithful ones see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 17. Hear a just cause, O God. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From you let my vindication come. Let your eyes see the right. If you try my heart, if you visit me by night, if you test me, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth does not transgress. As for what others do, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I will call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love. O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand, guard me as the apple of the eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. They close their hearts to pity. With their mouths they speak arrogantly. They track me down. Now they surround me. They set their eyes to cast me to the ground. They are like a lion eager to tear, like a young lion lurking in ambush. Rise up, O God, confront them, overthrow them. By your word, deliver my life from the wicked, from mortals by your hand, O God, from mortals whose portion in life is in this world. May their bellies be filled with what you have stored up for them. May their children have more than enough. May they leave something over to their little ones. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied, beholding your likeness. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Isaiah, chapter 3, verses 8 through 15. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their deeds are against God, defying defying God's glorious presence. The look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Tell the innocent how fortunate they are for they shall eat the fruit of their labors. Woe to the guilty, how unfortunate they are, for what their hands have done shall be done to them. My people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, your leaders misled you and confused the course of your paths. God rises to argue God's case. God stands to judge the peoples. God enters into judgment. 
elders and the rulers of God's people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people, by grinding the face of the poor, says the sovereign God of hosts. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle I, a song of Jonah. I called to you, O God, out of my distress, and you answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I ever look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep was round about me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land beneath the earth. Yet you brought up my life from the depths, O God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O God. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. With the voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay, for deliverance belongs to God. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. Finally, my siblings, we ask and urge you in the Savior Jesus that as you learn from us how you ought to live and please God, as in fact you are doing, you should do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through our Savior Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from fornication, that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one wrong or exploit a sibling in this matter, because, because God is an avenger in all these things. But just as we have already told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God did not call us to impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever rejects this rejects not human authority, but God, who also gives God's Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning love of the siblings, you do not need to have anyone write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do love all the siblings throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, beloved, to do so more and more, to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we directed you, so that you may behave properly toward outsiders and be dependent on no one. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle R, a song of true motherhood. God chose to be our mother in all things, and so made the foundation of their work, most humbly and most pure, in the virgin's womb. God, the perfect wisdom of all, arrayed themselves in this humble place. Christ came in our poor flesh to share our mother's care. Our mothers bear us for pain and for death. 
Our true mother, Jesus, bears us for joy and endless life. Christ carried us within them in love and travail until the full time of Christ's passion. And when all was completed and they had carried us so for joy, still all this could not satisfy the power of Christ's wonderful love. All that we owe is redeemed in truly loving God. For the love of Christ works in us. Christ is the one whom we love. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 20, verse 41 through chapter 21, verse 4. Then Jesus said to them, How can they say that the Messiah is David's son? For David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David thus calls the Messiah Lord. So how can the Messiah be David's son? In the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to the disciples, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all she had to live on. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. I do have a few thoughts on our readings today, starting with um, our reading from 1 Thessalonians. So first of all, I think that this and other passages like it have been misused as literal directions. And even the word literal when applied to Holy Scriptures is a difficult one because of things like translation and context. And I think that context is really important here because we need to understand what the Thessalonians were doing that then this letter was written to them. So I can only imagine um, what was going on in the community at Thessalonica that then Paul had to write this letter or, or Paul felt called to write this letter telling them to abstain from fornication and to control their own body. And in this context, I should mention um body is only one of three ways, and this is from my commentary, to translate the metaphoric use of the Greek skios, literally vessel. 
Here it could refer to a man's wife or his penis. So, <laughs> so my guess is, and it's a rather educated guess, not as educated as most, but maybe more than some at any rate, that there, there were questions of sexual conduct with, within the community at Thessalonica that was causing disruption in the community. And we don't really know what that is. And Paul tells them basically to refrain from anything that could be disruptive. I really think that's what he means when he says to be quiet. To um, how, how does he put it here? Hang on a second. Live quietly, mind your own affairs. And I think that this is a particular context for this particular time. And it might apply elsewhere. There might be, I can definitely envision Christian communities in the present where there are disruptive um, acts going on sexually. You know, how many churches have we all heard about where um, members within the church are engaged in inappropriate sexual relationships within the church, you know, pastors and married members of the congregation or at at the most terrible and priests molesting children. You know, these are all disruptive sexual acts that of course are are not acceptable in our communities, right? What is not meant here is to be a good Christian, you must be abstinent. And I think that too often it's taken that way. So I think part of the lesson that we take here is that we look through the lens of John Lewis. Is it good trouble? Or is it bad trouble, right? Good trouble disrupts things in a good way. It shakes up that evil rooted in the culture that is desolate or turning us away from God. It shakes that up, kind of like when you plant a new plant and you rough up the roots a little bit so that it can grow better, right? In this case, though, we're wanting to like uproot it and throw it out maybe and plant it. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing my metaphors up, but is it disruptive in a way that is unsettling that which is not from God so that what is of God can come in and be planted afresh, right? I I hope I'm explaining that clearly enough the difference in my mind between good disruption and bad disruption. We want to nourish that which is of God and we want to disrupt that which is not of God, I think is the point here. And then he goes, he goes on to talk about that, that which is good, you know, um, that they, they know how to love each other. They know how to love their siblings in Christ and do that more and more. So I think here we have an and both, right? Both disrupt or both and 
both disrupt that which is unholy or leading to desolation, leading away from God, and also encourage that which is. Because in general, no community, just as no person, is all bad or all evil or all leading toward desolation, however you want to put that. And it's not enough just to focus on the negative and overcoming the negative. We must also focus on and nourish the positive. And I think of, oh gosh, like a decade ago, maybe, um, I think it was Simon Sinek. I might be getting the person wrong. Um, did this strengths finder course and it had like a test that you do with it and a book to read. But the premise was that we spend too much time focusing on overcoming our faults when the energy would be better spent on honing and encouraging and growing our strengths. And that then the strengths kind of overcome the weaknesses and overall, as a competent person, we are lifted up. And I think that's part of what's going on here in this community, you know, that, that Paul says work on this one thing, but then also folk, maybe it's and also, at any rate, focus on those things that are good and holy and they will grow. And and those two efforts are really intertwined because you cannot focus all on either. You have to keep your eyes fixed on that, which is good, and, and give the energy there. And you also must acknowledge that which is not in order for it to be, you can't ignore it, right? Or it festers. It has to be acknowledged and then given to God and allowed to fall away or be disrupted or however you want to imagine that. And so I think that's true for us today too, that we must acknowledge that which is false, that which is desolate. And allow God to help us overcome it. And also, we must focus on that which is good and nourish it and give it space and nutrients to grow. Then I just have a few quick things to say about our gospel. One is, again, has something to do with context. That when Jesus is is raising this question about the Messiah, which is is odd because he's talking about himself, right? But the Messiah being David's son, he is, in a sense, disrupting this rather formulaic way that the culture of the time had at had for discerning the Messiah. And and a lot of a lot of People missed Jesus, like did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah because they were looking with a somewhat narrowing expectation for someone who met 
these specific criteria. And I think that Jesus is addressing this when he addresses the question of being David's son, um, because there's there can be in this context some literalness that causes the point to be missed. And I think that's so funny because that's so much what we do with the scripture, right? So even in Jesus's time, they did that. They took the scripture and and made it to or tried with a sense of, of literalness to make it too formulaic and then they missed the point. And, and worse, missed Jesus. And I think that we run the risk of doing that ourselves when we try to make the scripture formulaic. You know, this is, these are the, these are the components of the equation for a, a good Christian right? You must do this and not do that, and then you will be. And Jesus is saying you have to look broader than that, because Jesus was, in fact, part of the lineage of David, even if not David's literal son. And I think this admonition to widen our perspective to not narrow down our expectations to a point where we miss the presence of God is very useful to us in this Advent season, right? Because the Advent season, as we've talked about, is a season of expectant hope. Of It really is a beautiful threshold waiting time, you know? Um, and we don't want to be overly narrow in what we expect to glean from this time or even from Christ's presence, what we expect Christ's presence to look like in our lives. I would go so far as to say, let's not narrow our expectations of what it means to be Christian. I'm really moved by what the ecumenical faith community is doing. You know, I told you guys I've been reading the Book of Joy that was co-written by um, Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. We've been praying from the Iona Abbey worship book. These are just two examples of interfaith communities doing amazing things in this world. And so let's not narrow our field of vision. Let's not put blinders on. Let's not only see what's expected or right in front of us. I think this Advent season, if we open ourselves with expectant hope that we will see God show up in unexpected ways. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. 
along those lines, I'd like to share with you a prayer from a book called Preparing the Way by Ray Simpson. Um, it's published by Anamkara Books, Celtic Prayers for the Season of Light. Christ, light of the world, meet us in our place of darkness. Christ, light of the world, meet us in our place of longing. Christ, light of the world, meet us in our place of working. Christ, light of the world, illumine our darkness. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We continue with morning prayer by affirming our faith together. We believe in God, the nurturer and teacher, from whom is named every family in heaven and on earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, begotten of divine love, who lives in our hearts through faith and fills us with that love. We believe in God, the Holy Spirit. She strengthens us with power from on high. We believe in one God, source of all being, love incarnate, spirit of truth. Amen. Hear our cry, O God, and listen to our prayer. Let us pray. Our creator in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your dominion come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the sovereignty, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In place of suffrages, we're going to use a prayer in the preparation days of Celtic Advent, found on page 989 of Celtic Daily Prayer, Book 2. We have waited long for you. Deep has been the darkness. We long for you to shine right here among us where we are. We will not fear the shadows that surround us. If only you will come among us. We await the sound of a cry in the night, the joy that follows pain, the coming of hope. This is the path that God marked, who said at the beginning, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good. For people walking in darkness, a great light dawns. The true light, which lightens everyone, is coming into the world. The light shines in the darkness, the light that darkness cannot put out. Today, the first week of Advent, we light one candle. And this would be a point, friends, where if you have an Advent wreath or just if you have candles as part of your spiritual practice, you could light a candle here. This is the path that God marked with light that shines in the darkness. Within the deepest darkness, a glowing light is lit. The darkness cannot put it out or do away with it. When our path is menaced by shadows, circle us, God. Keep light within, keep darkness without. When our path is targeted by conflict, 
Circle us, God. Keep love near. Keep hatred afar. When our path is threatened by worry, circle us, God. Keep peace within. Keep fear without. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Collect for the First Sunday and First Week of Advent. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Now, in the time of this mortal life in which you are begotten, Jesus Christ came to visit us in great humility, that on the last day, when Christ shall come again in their glorious majesty to judge both the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal through the one who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A college for the renewal of life. O God, sovereign eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the way of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when night comes, rejoice to give you thanks. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As a prayer for mission, we're going to use another of the Advent prayers from Preparing the Way. Among the hungry, among the homeless, among the friendless, come to make things new. Among the powerful, among the spoilt, among the crooked, come to make things new. In halls of fame, in quarters of power, in forgotten places, come to make things new. With piercing eyes, with tender touch, with cleansing love, come to make things new. Amen. Dear God, we lift up now any that the Holy Spirit had placed upon our hearts for prayer. We intercede on behalf of all who are lonely and scared and hurting. This time of Advent, this time that should be expectant joy, is a time of fear and dread for many. As this pandemic surges, we know, God, that often the darkness seems strongest and darkest just before the morning. We know that Christ, your light, has already come, is in will come and is in all tenses of our world, in all times. We know that victory is Christ's already, and so is ours, for Christ shares and bequeaths to us. Our inheritance is the inheritance of saints of the light. May we remember this and be your light in the world. May we see by Christ's light your unexpected presence, in a myriad of wonderful and astonishing ways, God, in this creation, in this beautiful, in this brutal, as Glennon Doyle would say, world in which we live. May this threshold time, may this liminal moment in the season, in our global community, and in our hearts be a time of great transformation towards your glory, O God. Amen.
Let us pray together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, giver of all mercies, we, your co-creators, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all your days, all our days, through Jesus Christ our Savior, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless God. Thanks be to God. Glory to God whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to God from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear. Our creator has made us holy, has always protected us and loves us as a good mother. We go now in peace to follow the good road. And may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.